0: God is not a God of disorder or confusion, but is the God of peace. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning stars rise in your hearts. You are tuning into the Tribe of Christians podcast with host Brandon Dawson. The Chief Center, bringing you a peace of mind, clarity, insight, and perspective to the world you live in by the word of God. Featuring the latest updates on end-time prophecy news. Don't forget to subscribe to the the Tribe Tribe of Christians Christians broadcast, broadcast, either on Stitcher, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, Facebook, or YouTube at at tribeofchristians.com. Without further ado, here is your host and teacher, The Chief Sinner.
1: welcome and thank you for tuning in to the tribe of christians podcast i'm your host the chief Sinner. this is the second message in a three-part series specifically focusing on the ministry of jesus as we draw near to the death and resurrection of christ in this second message i will be teaching a very unique and a very special revelation about jesus's entry into jerusalem Now, if you would, turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 21, to the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, Matthew chapter 21, and the word of the Lord reads, Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her, loose them, or bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt and a foe of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And very great multitudes spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest! And when he had came into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Now this weekend, the church all over the world celebrated Jesus' triumphal entry to Jerusalem, also known as Palm Sunday. It's traditional where many services give out palms and teach on the account of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. This passage of scripture is also a prophetic fulfillment from the words of prophet Zacharias. Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9, which states, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, many of us understand the significance of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. We understand that Jesus is the rightful king of Israel, he is a direct descendant from King David. We also understand that Jesus chose a cult as a sign of his humility and grace. But there's also a much great deeper revelation about why else Jesus chose the cult. And that revelation goes back further than the prophet Zechariah and even further than King David. Now there is something so extraordinarily significant about the cult that I want to show you. Something that Jesus saw. Something so significant. The reason why Jesus picked So there might be some of you out there, like me, who are listening to this message and you were never picked for anything extraordinary or significant. Maybe you were always the very last person anyone ever considered to be picked for a team. Maybe you're someone who never got a nice wedding invitation or got invited out to social functions. Maybe you're someone that was never asked to a dance. Or you didn't get to go to prom. Maybe you're someone who is still waiting on somebody to give you a chance or a shot to ask you out on a date. Perhaps you have a hard time getting picked for the job or the promotion. I think a lot of us go through times of great rejection, great denial, and experience the feelings of isolation and judgment. And if that's you, along with my very self, this message is for you. This incredible and significant message is for you because Jesus has an incredible purpose for your life. There's a great revelation, a great truth that he wants you to know and have that surpasses the rejection or failure is greater than any isolation or judgment that you have ever faced. And this is going to change your life forever. So the title of my message is Jesus and the Cult. you'll notice if you compare the four Gospels to each other on the account of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, you'll notice something very significant that stands out in Matthew's Gospel compared to the other Gospels of Mark, Luke, and John. Mark, Luke, and John, all of them give the account, the same exact account of what is taking place here. However, it's only the Gospel of Matthew that gives us a little bit more detail and something Extraordinary significant that the others don't. And there's an incredible significant reason for it. Now, Mark, Luke, and John only mention about the cult concerning Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. But according to the Gospel of Matthew, there was a cult and a donkey. Both of them were tied up. Now, Luke's account informs us that the cult had never been ridden. And that's another significant detail about this story that we'll get into later. But Matthew includes both the donkey and the colt. Matthew tells us that this colt, which is a male donkey, is also the young offspring of the donkey. In Matthew 21, verse 2 through 7, it says, Go into the village opposite of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them or bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Zechariah. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. Technically speaking, Jesus really only needed one of them, the colt, exactly as Gospels Mark, Luke, and John tell us. But the prophecy of Zechariah speaks of both the donkey and the cult. And so Jesus chooses to bring the both of them. And you'll also notice that Jesus only sent two disciples into the village. Not one, not three, not all, twelve, but only two of them. There are two disciples. There are two donkeys, one female and the other is the female donkey's offspring. Everything that Jesus does and says is for a purpose and a reason. Why? Because he's both the Son of God and God. He is divine and sovereign. Everything about him is significant. The number two in the Bible has two meanings. First, it significantly symbolizes a union. There is one man and one woman who are joined together to become one. It represents the meaning of marriage, of husband and wife. And it also represents the marriage between Jesus and the church. It's where the story of the world begins through the creation of Adam and Eve. That's where sin entered the picture, where sin entered the world through Adam and Eve. And it's through Jesus, forgiveness is found. And it's through Jesus we become the bride of Christ, the church. Now, the second meaning of the number two in the Bible is that the number two represents testimony. At the minimum, the testimony of at least two people was needed, according to the Old Testament, to convict someone of a crime or of sin. The validity of this teaching of two people needed was confirmed also by the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 5.19 and in Titus 3.10. Two witnesses are also required to officiate a marriage union. And to this day, it's still the same way. There are also two witnesses mentioned in the book of Revelation concerning the end times. And on the fourth day of creation, God also made two great lights, the sun and the moon. So, Jesus sends two disciples into the village, and Jesus gets two donkeys, both donkeys. Not just one, but two, both of them. Now, neither one of them was left behind. To those of you who watched, and everyone else, you watched everyone else get picked before you, your entire life, to those who struggled to find value or to feel significant, Jesus didn't choose a prestigious horse. He chose a colt, A donkey. And he didn't just pick the colt, who had never been ridden, but he also picked both the donkey and its colt. And the significance of that is a representation of both Israel and the church. God has given his promise to Israel to restore Israel, to never leave nor abandon it. It's important to note here that when we think of the name of Israel, we think of the nation of Israel. But Israel was also the name that God gave to Jacob, the father of the twelve patriarchs of Israel. So God's promises aren't just concerning the land, but it's also concerning His people, both Jew and Gentile. Zechariah also prophesied in Zechariah chapter 10 concerning the restoration of Israel. And then later in chapter 12, Zechariah prophesied that the revelation of Jesus, the revelation of grace, will be poured out on the people of Israel and it says in verse 10, I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look to me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. So Jesus picks both the donkey and its colt, a symbol of God's promises that began with Israel but is rebirth through Jesus to the Gentiles. A signal, a sign of the promise of God's covenant with Abraham, but grafted through the Gentiles through Jesus. Now, he didn't leave either one behind. He took both of them, both the colt and the donkey. This is a symbol that God saves both Israel and Gentile. Now, Jesus doesn't show favoritism. He doesn't show impartiality. His love knows no boundaries. He is limitless. He's compassionate. compassionate. His favor goes out to all and anybody who is willing to accept him. This means whatever situation you are in, whatever situation you've come from, whatever past you have, and regardless of who you are, Jesus will not leave you behind. He won't forget about you. If you are willing to accept him, he will pick you too. It doesn't matter how educated or how uneducated you are. Consider Paul, who was once known as Saul, the great persecutor of the early apostles, and yet Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Now consider the type of disciples whom Jesus picked. He even picked Judas, knowing the purpose of Judas and that Judas would betray him. He picked him too. His love knows no boundaries. So why is it that the Gospel of Matthew gives us this important detail where this detail isn't included in the other Gospels? The Gospel of Mark is based upon the eyewitness account of Peter. The Gospel of Luke is also based upon the eyewitness accounts and is closely related to Paul. But Matthew and John were first-hand, witnesses, first-hand eyewitnesses on the accounts of Jesus. But Matthew is also known as Levi before Jesus changed his name to Matthew. Now Matthew was a tax collector, the one who wrote the Gospel of Matthew. An occupation that was one of the most despised occupations that a Jewish man could ever have. The occupation of the tax collector was greatly despised. So despised that tax collectors were included into the same group as sinners and Gentiles. They were oftentimes rejected and treated extremely poorly. And there is nothing in the Bible or in the law of Moses that forbids the occupation of the tax collector. There is nothing in the law that states that it is a sin to be a tax collector. So this rejection is based upon a social judgment, a social outcast, condemnation, and ridiculement. Now the Romans were oppressors of the Jews, and so for anyone to associate with a Roman occupation was viewed also sort as a traitor to Israel. So this detail was significant to Matthew as someone who was especially despised by the Jews. And interestingly, the Gospel of Matthew focuses specifically on the audience of the Jewish people and on the kingship of Christ, not just as king over all of heaven and earth, but also specifically king of Israel. So the biggest themes echo throughout the Gospel of Matthew is the kingdom of God. You'll see that repeated often in the Gospel of Matthew. Now it's like when you read the Gospel of Matthew, it's like reading through the books of first and second Kings, first, Second Chronicles, or First and Second Samuel, but in the light of the Gospel message of Jesus. The Gospel of Matthew reads like reading the books about the kings of Israel. So naturally, Matthew understands what is really going on here. Matthew grasps the fullness of what is truly taking place. He knows and he understands the significance of the kingship of Jesus. And he understands the significance of the Messiah. Not just the Messiah of the Jews, but also of the entire world. The Messiah of the whole world. That's extraordinarily significant. The message of that is that glory, grace, love, and honor doesn't only belong to the Jews, but it also belongs to the Gentiles too. Anyone who will accept and believe in Jesus in the Gospel of Mark and Luke, the title of Jesus is known as the Son of Man. It's a title that focuses on Jesus' connection to Adam, where sin entered the world through Adam, yet salvation would enter the world through Jesus, known as the second Adam. In the Gospel of John, the title of Jesus is known as Son of God, referring to the miraculous and divine birth of Jesus Jesus. Being the one and only true Son of God and the hope of all mankind. However, in the Gospel of Matthew, the title of Jesus is the Son of David, which is a direct revelation and a direct reference to Jesus' kingship. David was a descendant from the tribe of Judah where the kings of Israel came from, and this is why Jesus is not only known as the Lamb of God but also the Lion of Judah. He is both the sacrificial lamb offering for the sins of the world and the King of all creation who has the authority and the only authority to forgive sin. Now, if you would turn with me to Genesis chapter 49. And in Genesis chapter 49, Jacob, is also, who is also known as Israel, is giving his farewell blessings to his 12 sons. Now, a lot of people don't know this, but Genesis chapter 49 is the very passage where we get the original blessing of prophecy of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Genesis chapter 49, verses 8 through 12, this is what Jacob says to his son Judah. He says, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are the lion's club, Judah. You return from the prey, of my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to arouse him. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. He will wash his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes will be darker than wine, and his teeth whiter than milk. Although Jacob is giving a prophetic blessing over Judah, and is foretelling the line of kings that will come through Judah's lineage, Jacob prophesies and is speaking of Jesus, the true king whom the scepter truly belongs to. This implies that we are only stewards of what is given to us, but everything truly belongs to Jesus, as the word tells us, as all things were made by him, all things were made through him, and all things were made for him. And Jacob prophesies of both the donkey and the donkey's colt. Notice that the word says that the donkey is tethered to the vine this is an indication that the donkey symbolizes israel at the time of jesus's entry into jerusalem in john chapter 15 jesus says i'm the true vine and my father is the gardener he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful i am the vine you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus is the vine that is tied to Israel. But look at the next part at what the word says. He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch, and he will wash his garments in wine, his robes and the blood of grapes. The wine and the grapes signify the blood of jesus and is also represented in the passover supper also known as the last supper in which we get the act of communion from so in matthew jesus is seen with both the colt and the donkey but the other three gospels it says that jesus is on the colt it only talks about the colt because it's the colt the colt has never been written the colt is the firstborn male And the law of Moses, the firstborn male, is holy and belongs to the Lord. And look what Romans 8.29 tells us. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Jesus was the firstborn of Mary and Joseph. And it's through the resurrection of Christ that Jesus became the firstborn of all who believe in Him. And the significance of the cult is that the cult was never ridden. And although despised and not the choice of earthly kings, it was greatly chosen by God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one and only Son of God. Now, Israel had many kings already. He had committed many acts of idolatry and false worship through these various kings. But Jesus is the true king. So although Jesus brought the donkey with him, his glory was on the colt. It was the colt he came riding into Jerusalem with. Now, if we turn back to Matthew 21 and we scroll all the way down to verses 42 through 44. Now, a lot of people like to ask, where is the United States in the Bible? And where's the United States in Bible prophecy? Lots of people will tell you that America is Mystery Babylon. Some of you will say that America is the Roman Empire. Others will tell you that America is the harlot riding the beast in Revelation 13. But look, what Jesus says, who America is, right there in Matthew 21, verses 42 through 44. And this is the reason behind it all. This is truly the significance of the cult. Verse 42 Jesus said to them, Have you never read in scriptures the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God. And there's Matthew's theme, the kingdom of God right there. The kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Now, the United States isn't a nation of one people, but we are a physical representation of the kingdom of God, of all the earth. Israel rejected Jesus as their king. He's the cornerstone. So the anointing of Christ went to the church for a time being, to the Gentiles all around the world who would believe in Jesus. And it was through the name of Jesus that many nations and many people went through persecution and great hardship because of his namesake. And it was through the pilgrimage of all these different peoples from all these different nations whom the Lord joined together and formed the United States. And the beauty of it all, the real beauty of it all... You see, the Lord is poetic. He is symmetric. He is a true author. And He truly is sovereign and divine. It was through the United States that the Lord helped reestablish Israel in 1948. U.S. President Harry Truman was the first world leader to acknowledge Israel. President Truman also gave Israel the finances to build He was also known as Cyrus. And ever since then, God has used the hand of the United States and the people of the United States to send out his gospel message throughout the entire world and to bless Israel and to help protect Israel. And just recently, we witnessed President Trump reaffirm Israel's sovereignty over Jerusalem as the undivided Jewish capital of Israel. He also reaffirmed the West Bank and Golan Heights. You see the cult represents the kingdom of god it represents you it represents me it represents all those who have been rejected by the world but have been greatly honored and accepted by jesus as G- as jacob said the choicest branch god has chosen you he has chosen you to be the choicest branch He's chosen you, and it's the desire of the Heavenly Father to glorify His Son, Jesus, in your life. And it doesn't matter who has rejected you. It doesn't matter who has ignored you or who has written you off. God hasn't written you off. Jesus has not written you off. You are infinitely valuable to Jesus. You matter to Him. Your life is so significant to Christ. He chose the cult because of you. And for you. He is a humble king, full of love, full of grace, full of compassion and mercy, and he deeply wants to bless you and move in your life. Whatever you've gone through, perhaps it's been rejection, perhaps it's been isolation, perhaps you've been ignored your entire life or even hated. Jesus wants you to know that he chose you, just like he chose the 12, just like he chose the Gentiles, just like he chose the cult. He has chosen you. Your life matters because you were made in the image of Jesus. He died for your sins. And if you will have him, he will have you. He loves you greatly. And your life is called to be a life of love. Or perhaps you're on the other end of the spectrum. And you spend a lot of your time rejecting others. You spend a lot of time treating people wrongly. Jesus didn't just choose the cult. He also chose you too. He chose the donkey as well. And Jesus is working to restore Israel. He's doing it right now through the revelation of grace and love. And we're seeing all these incredible prophecies and the fulfillments with Israel. But Jesus wants you to know that he wants you to view others the way that he views you. He's full of love and compassion with grace. He wants you to have love towards other people. He wants you to have grace towards others just as much as he has love and grace for you. I want you to pray with me right now, wherever you are, whatever you're facing, or whatever you're going through, and wherever you have come. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, and I thank you for your word, and for revealing the truth to us. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, and we thank you for his life. We thank you that you chose both the cult, and the donkey, that you chose both Israel and Gentile. And we thank you that you've chosen us. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins, and we ask that you forgive us and cleanse us. We ask for your spirit to lead us, to guide us in revelation and in truth. Lead us to live a life holy as you have, to follow your example, and to continue bearing your image, the light of the world. And it's in your Son, Jesus' name, that we pray. Amen. Now you can find more great teachings just like this one on our website at tribeofchristians.com and also on our Facebook page. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this podcast to help spread the gospel message with others and to get updated on future messages just like this one. This concludes this podcast message. I am the chief sinner with the tribe of Christians and may God bless you and continue to be with you always.